Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 154 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Colto del Cargo, and the song, well, it's tough for me to say, because it's all in Italian, but it's the first track off of the record that's also, well, it's tough for me to say, because it's all in Italian. I have my wife translate it for me later, earlier, uh, but she just left to go to the grocery store, so I can't have her translate it for me again, and I already forgot, because that's uh, how quickly my brain works. But I want to thank Colto del Cargo for sending in their music to Dan at gettingitout.net. If you want your music played on the show, you can always send your music in to Dan at gettingitout.net, and I'll play it for you. I guarantee we're going to end the episode with another listener-submitted song. So it's it's all proof right here on the first episode of 2021, episode 154 of Getting It Out podcast. What's happening on this episode? Well, 
I've got Adam Jarvis. I mean, he's in every he's in every band ever, but on this one, we're specifically talking about Scour. This is black metal project that he's in with his cousin John, uh, Phil Anselmo, who uh, everybody knows, and a couple other guys from a couple other cool projects. And we're going to talk all about that and more. So let's let Hot Zone ring in the first episode of the new year, and uh, let's get to it. <laughs> Bitches and bitches, it's the illustrious hot dog back at it again with another podcast intro. They said, Oh, you want to do a podcast intro for the Getting It Out podcast? I said, Oh, shit, I gotta write a rap first, don't I? They said, No, you don't gotta write a rap first. The hardcore podcast I said, All right, I think I can maybe make that happen. Let's see what we can do. Kick it. Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies. Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me. All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out. We be getting it in, where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out. We be getting it in, where you getting it out? Would you look at that? We're in 2021 at this point. Uh, new year, new you, maybe. Uh, new year, same me. I can't say I've changed much between last night and today. I might have lost a pound. I've been working on losing a pound a day. It's been pretty successful for the week. Uh, today I went out and ran. Ooh, that's rough. It was 40 degrees. And it wasn't the cold that bothered me. It was just the fact that I've been using the elliptical lately to try and uh, shed a pound a day. And uh, that's really gentle, and it's, but it's really boring. I hate it. I can't stand it. I listen to podcasts on it. I listen to music on it. I can't watch anything. I don't know. I just I hate the elliptical. It sucks. But it is good for me in that it doesn't hurt anything. It's simple. Uh, you just turn the resistance up a little bit, get a decent sweat. It's all right, you know. And then the, the weight bench is right there in front of me, so it encourages me to get down there and uh, bench press 350 pounds easily repetitively after time time after time no spotter or anything don't need one of them Uh, i'm just that strong 350 pounds is my warm-up weight and the 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 closer my closer weight i don't know is that what we call it the closer weight uh having a trouble putting together this lie but i think you know what i'm saying i'm really super strong is what i mean anyway back to my run i was out running today and i saw swing sets several of them and i thought to myself Man, some of these swing sets have monkey bars. Monkey bars are really hard. And you can only do monkey bars for a short age. Because once you're strong enough to actually do the monkey bars, then you're too tall to do them. That's kind of kind of the way it usually goes, right? They're, they're, it's too dangerous for the little children. And they don't have the arm strength to pull it off. But then once, once you get that arm strength, you're like 12. And uh, you can touch the ground. So... The monkey bars have a very, uh, there's a very limited window when you can sexually, successfully uh, complete the monkey bars. I don't know when you, if you can ever sexually complete the monkey bars. If you can, um, you probably can start a YouTube channel. Uh, So I'm looking at these monkey bars and I'm realizing some of them have like swings attached to them on one side and some of them don't. And I was just thinking, man... You can't attach swings to the size of monkey bars. I realize that, like, design-wise, you're saving space and uh, it looks optimal. And it probably, it's probably a good seller that way, you know, because you can just do a smaller thing and have more features. Um, but, uh, but but you ever seen, seen a kid do monkey bars? 
you can't. That's like a trap. You, you kid, you kid doing monkey bars is like uh, reeling in a ten-pound bass. If you're not familiar with that, well, I'm not either. But if you're not familiar with that, it's a lot of flopping around. Those legs are going to be kicking in every direction just to get from one bar to another. And you don't think they're going to get tangled up in, in the, the swing, the swing chain? That's what's going to happen. It's a death trap for a little kid. But a little kid's falling on 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 uh, playgrounds is pretty funny. So I guess I support the swing traps on monkey bars. Uh, so keep doing that. Whoever does that, that's that's a good design. I like it. Speaking of flailing around, I got Adam Jarvis on this episode. You might know Adam from Pig Destroyer or Lockup or Misery Index or Fulgora or Asthma Castle. But this time around, we're talking about Scour, which if you're not familiar with it, we're going to get you familiar with it. Adam and I had a pretty decent chat about this band and a few other things. Um, the the audio is a little shaky in the beginning. I think it works itself out by the end. But, uh, you know, hang in there. Listen up. Listen in. Uh, give your opinions at the end. Nobody will take them seriously, but you should give them anyway. All right? If you got something to say, send it to dan at gettingitout.net. I want to thank all the people, by the way, before we get into this, that have been signing up for the Patreon. I'm always pleasantly surprised and honestly floored anytime I get an email that says somebody signed up. So uh, I appreciate it. If you sign up, don't forget to leave your address. I'll get a sticker and pin sent out to you immediately. Immediately. You just need to leave your address. Um, Yeah, there's another episode of Getting It Out Radio for uh, the two tiers subscribers. So uh, check them out. Uh, Listen to some new tracks, old tracks, stuff that I just think is good. Okay, anyway, let's play Doom from Scour and then get into my conversation with Adam. Thank you.
totally sidetracked, but hey, that's all right. Um, anyway, okay, so so let's talk some let's talk some scour stuff. Scour. Scour. So when did so the, the band when's the band start? Two thousand fifteen. Believe it was around. Yeah. Okay. Um, were you, were you original originally a part of this, or did you come in a little later? Ready the uh, yeah. So basically, my cousin John and Derek Ingman, the guitar player, um, they were uh, on tour. I think it was a Summer Slaughter tour together, and they basically just wanted to start a band. And you know, Derek's like, I got all these extra riffs and yada yada. Fast forward, they end up getting Phil to do the vocals because. Um, that whole thing, actually, the last interview I just did, I kind of gave a little brief how I guess we the relationship with Phil started. Um, the band that me and Sean, buddy Brandon Lemieux, started called Phil Gora. Mm-hmm. Uh, we was probably like a inch of that, and he he caught wind of it somehow. I think that uh, the guy from one of the guys in Harp that was on Housecore for a while heard us and like showed Phil, and Phil like straight up like wrote us on Facebook crazy we didn't him we're like what like yeah right you know <laughs> kind of thing so we went down and recorded with him me and me and john and you know was, that's how the relationship started there and uh that's how basically you know whenever they're like do vocals my cousin was like well i, I know phil and selmo and he you know obviously phil's no stranger to you know the underground the extreme and i mean he's got a dark throne tattoo you know I mean, right he was responsible for bringing Morbid Angel on Fourth Panther, you know, and I got and of course all the others. Um, so, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it really was a question. I was just uh, asking, kind of when 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 it got started, how you got involved, and uh, I yeah, think yeah, I think yeah. you answered that. Though. Anyway, so uh, I guess this was like 2016, 17, somewhere around there. The drummer Jesse. Um, sprained his ankle any sort of drumming you know you need all your limbs functioning at 100 percent. so you know he um basically was like yeah i might be able to do this but you might want to call adam (laughs) (laughs) yeah man uh it's relentless stuff you know i've always been into stream drumming and you know it's it's definitely probably the most challenging for sure out of any band that i'm in yeah, I just I I was just watching uh one of the the playthrough video you did for Doom earlier today. And all right, so I already think drumming is like the most complicated thing. I don't have a fucking musical bone in my body. Uh the fact that I even I've been in a band but just as a singer like I don't I don't know how I, and drumming seems so fucking complicated to me. And watching you do yeah. what you did, what you're doing all, on just that one song, right? Just those just the speed and how the hell you know what you're supposed to do next. I it's it's completely foreign to me. Like I I have no idea how anybody even even a bad drummer I don't know how they know how they do it. But like watching you do what you do what you do on that song, it's 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 confu- it's totally confusing to me. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, man. It, it, to be able to play that kind of stuff, especially just you know in these times with. Uh everything that's happened this year it's kind of hard to get motivated to do shit especially when no shows are happening and it's just right. like you know you gotta like you don't have to force yourself but in a way it's just like all right you gotta stay in shape you know because i can tell if i if i stop playing like I, I think i went for like about two months without playing drums like at all and i think mm-hmm. that's the longest i've went in 20 years you know 
just because it was just like everything was getting canceled left and right. It's like, fuck, you know, like we did the one tour earlier this year with Misery Index, did the tour with um, uh, Napalm Death, I Hate God, Rotten Sound, and Bat. Um, we didn't know at the time that was going to be the last tour, you right. know, and it's just crazy, man. Uh, well, that, I mean, yeah. I, I guess it had to be, it has to, probably still is uh, demoralizing at a certain point, especially for you, who, you, you know, I, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you operate a day job too, or is drumming just your only thing? No, I have a day job as well. Uh, I wish, I wish death metal and, you know, grindcore paid the bills, but. Well, you, you know, know, typically, I, typically I wouldn't assume. Um, that somebody playing that, but with, with the fucking the amount of bands you have, I didn't know if it was possible. Yeah, I mean, if we toured a lot and like consistently, like we used to, um, then yeah, because that's all you really would be doing. But yeah. that lifestyle kind of burns you out after a while, and it starts to feel like a job. And that's you know not why you really want to play music is to feel like you're like you have to do it and oh no i got this coming up like <laughs> oh fuck you know it's like when you break it up more it's like especially you know i work a day job you know like uh basically um low voltage technician data voice you know fiber wireless all that stuff mm-hmm. um you it really makes you look forward to going on the tour you know, more so than I was just like, when, you know, you're like going to Europe or, you know, going over to Japan and, you know, it's just like anything, like going on a vacation when working up to it, it's like, sweet, like two more weeks. That's it. <laughs> and I'm off for a month. Bring it on. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, definitely I, missing that, but you know, you just got to do, do what you can now, you know, write, right. record, you know, plan for next year and see if it happens kind of thing. Yeah, it's 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 tempting to say it looks promising, but I don't know what that's based on. <laughs> like, I guess it's just because it hasn't been everything hasn't been canceled yet. You know, it hasn't been scheduled yeah, yet either. Yeah. But it, but it, but you know, there's just the, there's a possibility. And for some reason, just going to January first makes it seem like all right, it's a it's another try. But I mean, we'll fucking yeah, see. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. It's, it's just like, man, you know, we were trying to book a tour in like March, and that already is postponed to september we announced it but it's uh it's still like you know i'm not really looking forward to just being a guinea pig and trying to like see what happens you know because clubs probably aren't going to be operating how they used to you know and it's just going to be a whole the whole it's going to be a whole new world basically as far as touring goes and just going to a show as a spectator is even you know who knows what that's going to be like so right yeah but that, that's the uh, that's the primitive man tour with Misery Index, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, so, so I've, I've I see people like yourselves, uh, bands like you, like you guys, uh, booking these tours, and um, you know, I yeah, you're right. Like, who knows? But and you don't want to be the guinea pig, like you said. But at the same time, that the when when things open up and the competition for tour dates is going to be insane. You well, know, that's like. The other thing. You, yeah. you got to get in front of it, or else you're not going to get it. I guess I don't. But who the hell knows? I, I don't know. I'm talking on my ass. I don't really know anything. Well, it's, it's more. It's more just like nailing down the dates for the venues because, yeah, like you just said, there's like a million other people that are just waiting to go on tour, and you know, it's it's uh, some people's livelihoods. You know, I mean, that's like that, that's like the majority of their income. So, you know, it's like you have to get out there and do it. You know, and you. So you got to nail down these dates before somebody else does is the main thing. Cause you know, tours always get booked way in advance and even more so now it's like, you gotta, 
you're making up for what you were supposed to do this year. Plus you're trying to add more dates for, you know, what you were already going to be maybe doing in 2021 before 2020 even happened, you know, cause mm-hmm. there's bands like, you know, you could say like down, for instance, down was supposed to do the whole 25th anniversary of the NOLA album. And now that's all pushed to 2021. And, you know, it's like, you're just basically playing, there's playing catch up for a year, you know, like, okay, this is what we were supposed to be doing, you know? And now what are we doing in 2021 that we were supposed to be doing if everything was normal, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. It's almost, well, it's almost like it's going to be impossible to catch up and you just need to, I don't know, take your losses and start, yeah, like the, start the fuck over. Yeah. 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 So, um, so well, you got you with Scour, you did what I think a lot of bands are smartly doing, and you actually did release a record instead of sitting on it and waiting for the opportunity to tour on it. And I, I don't know anybody who's admitting to doing that right now, to sitting on their albums, but I, I do know of people mentioning it. So, uh, but, but, but like I've been mentioning to a lot of people is, is that uh, I guess the optimistic way to think about it is that, all right, you can't tour on it, but at least you kind of have a captive audience who all they can do is they, they can't go any we can't go anywhere anyway you know so yeah. our, our only form of listening is going to be listening to your music so uh, uh-huh. the the i guess the ultimate optimistic view is that the people get to hear your new records spend time with it know the material and by the time you're able to play they'll be totally familiar but, <laughs> but who knows you know how fickle yeah, we it, are it gives, yeah it gives you time like let it marinate a little bit and like soak in and you know the material a little bit more you know that's how i've always looked at it in a way you know it's like release an album and like be on tour the day it comes out i mean that's a you know great tactic for selling more copies of your record the first week you know and that's why a lot of bands do that just for sound scan numbers you know and it's like just the whole hype train that's built up to the release of your record you know and stuff like that so i totally get it but it's you know I mean, it's, it's, you know, especially with metal, you know, people are talking about, you know, the darkness of the world and the craziness of the world and, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's like, now is like some of the, you know, darkest times we've had in a while, you know, and so why not release the shit and just let, you know, people are going to be hungry for it right now. You know, they're wanting to hear something to distract them in a way, you know, and just, you know, might even be more meaningful instead of just like waiting and then, you know, same thing as like playing shows. Now there's going to be like, 500 records released every week (laughs) but get it out now while there's like not a million things you know going on plus we got to deal with nuclear blast that was the other thing um which totally i I was blown away by when Derek called me and he's like hey guess what i was like what what's the deal with what's house yeah what's i thought this was just house core is this nuclear blast as well yeah, they did it. Um, basically, Housecore is North America release, and then Nuclear Blast is worldwide. Oh, okay. Um, obviously, excluding North America, but um, so yeah, I mean, that's they're literally probably the biggest label as far as metal goes. I mean, I'd, I'd I'd go as far as to say is like they're bigger than Roadrunner at this point, and you know, especially they. I mean, Slayer was with them when they ended. You know, and, yeah. You know, like Rob Zombie and probably Hoobastank and you know, other bands. And shit. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, no, I doubt they have Hoobastank, but um, uh, Stank, That's big league. That's top of the yeah. top of the top of the charts right there. Yeah, they're on like unique leader. At this point, you know? <laughs> yeah, very techie. 
but no, so that's awesome to have that, that force behind you as well. And, you know, Derek always wanted to release the black EP on black Friday and, you know, that's awesome. Just why not? You know? Yeah. So this was literally like, I think I found out about that in maybe August, September ish, somewhere around there. And then it was like, is that really going to be like, can that happen? Like, <laughs> you know, cause a lot of labels need months, like sometimes like, you know, up to five months of like handing in a, a master to like, just get vinyl pressed and the whole sure. preparation of like the promo train and all that, you know, it's, you know, well-oiled machine. That's a whole other side of the, the biz there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that it, it did come out, uh, like black Friday, which is what, like November 27th, I think. Um, so, so it's been out there for a, about a month, not quite. Um, how, how has, from your perspective, how has, uh, how has it been received? I mean, everybody's saying that like, you know, it's still, you know, kind of mind blowing when you have a guy like Phil and Selma in the band that like people are just now hearing about this project, but you know, it's just to go show how like, it's, it's still like an underground thing, you know, it's, yeah. you know, vicious, you know, uh, dissonant black metal, you know, it's not like for everyone. So, and obviously having Jason Momoa do some guest vocals as well, didn't hurt things like <laughs> as far as some exposure. <laughs> right. Right. And, but I, I think this is finally where people are really starting to catch on to scour and realizing that it's, you know, it's a pretty powerful, you know, it's powerhouse band, you know, it's not fucking around, you know, it's relentless and heavy and, you know, it's, it's got the black metal thing going, but there's also death metal elements and even some like brash. And I wouldn't go as far as to say it's punk, but you know, it's, it, it's definitely not just a traditional black metal band by any means. And that's what keeps it interesting. I think. No, it is. It's not, it's not what I, it's not for me. I mean, even, even knowing what's knowing what Scour was the whole time here, when I, when I listened to the black EP and, and even the other material, really, it's not what I expect. And I don't even know how to make that make sense. Like when, when I say, when you, if somebody were to say to me, it's a, it's a uh, black metal band with uh, Adam Jarvis and uh, Jarvis cousins in and uh, Phil and Selmo, I, I would come up with a different thing in my head than uh-huh. than what I hear when it actually plays. And it's what, what plays is actually way better than what comes up in my head. Because I, I think of Anselmo um, doing vocals for a black metal band, and it sucks. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's awful. It's like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? Um, but then I listen to Scour, like, oh, okay, this is really good. This is, this is not what I expected. I think I uh, underestimate uh, his his uh his level his range i guess um which is stupid of me knowing yeah, exactly. you know knowing everything he's done i don't know why i do that but you know but but to hear this is is quite impressive and um and of course i know i know everything that that, you, that you've been a part of that your cousin's been a part of and you know this actually brings me back to another thing where, where you mentioned before um when you get when they said uh john was looking for somebody to do john or derek was looking for somebody to do the uh to the band and if you have phil and someone's number why not give him a call um, I feel like it's that's got to be a situation that at least three of you are in. I mean, maybe the other guys as well, but you yourself, or, or you, your cousin, uh, Anselmo, both all three of you highly regarded at what you do. Does does your fucking and, and and you obviously being willing to jump into a lot of bands? Are you getting asked to do shit constantly? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, there's been quite a few crazy roller coaster rides throughout the years, things that didn't really, you know, transpire, but you know, it's, uh, you know, not really, I don't think I really want to go into most of them, but no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome. You know, it, and it's, it's humbling and, you know, always, I'm always up for a challenge and doing something different. And, you know, most of the time it just comes down to like, just not having enough time anymore, you know, right. Like, the older you get, and, you know, there's more responsibilities and, you know, not trying to tour, you know, six months out of the year and, you know, just all the above that comes with just being in one band, you know, let alone six or seven, you know? So, um, sure. But I imagine you know, there's, there's gotta be those opportunities that pop up that it's almost like you can't turn it down. Like maybe you're, well, th- maybe this, maybe, maybe lock up, you know, maybe whatever, you well, know, lock up thing. Yeah, absolutely. I could not turn that down because I mean, Nick Parker, you know, he's a huge inspiration and just a powerhouse, you know, I mean, holy shit what that guy's done and to be asked to like fill his shoes i was kind of terrified in a way (laughs) but also just like i'm gonna go for it you know like why not and you know it's like same thing as like filling in with hate eternal for one show and i knew the whole time it was going to be one show yeah but eric asked me if i wanted to do it and i was like dude i get to jam with fucking eric rutan you know like so i was like fuck it like and that was actually it feels uh house core horror fest that he was doing for a while there um so yeah you, gotta, you know push you gotta push yourself and just go for it sometimes you know and you know and that's what routine even said he's like that's why I, that's why i fucking like you charles like, just don't give a fuck like, how, hey, how, yeah, how likable is that guy Eternal. how likable is eric i had him on here right around when really i started and he was one of my favorite guests still to this day he's literally one of the coolest motherfuckers to hang out with to tour with to record with you know sit down drink a beer with you know whatever man like he's he's just an all-around great dude and he he deserves you know the respect that he has and he's you know he's worked hard man he's like he's a lifer for this shit and made some really smart decisions and like has his own studio and you know he's just he's a go-getter man he doesn't stop yeah he stayed with him when misery index uh record the last record we did i recorded the drums with him and you know he's like a regiment like he you know wakes up same time every day goes sits in his backyard palm trees you know like you know sends his emails goes to the studio starts work at this time you know he's like a very very super professional at everything that he does you know yeah, and, he, and 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 everything that I'm aware of that he does, he does it extremely well to a high level. And you you guys have him on on this uh, on the lead off track Doom, right? What exactly is he doing? Yep. I know I know you mentioned you have Jason Momoa on here. Um, what what are these two contributing to this track? Well, he does the guest solo. Okay. So yeah, he yeah, like I was just saying, right before I recorded the uh, drums for the Black EP, I was down in Florida, his studio recording the new misery index albums <laughs> like, to take it back onto this shit it just makes me laugh because it's like there was literally like hey uh by the way what are you doing next week you want to record another album like, <laughs> but uh so while i was down there basically that's how that all came about it was just like hey man like i don't know if you really listen to scour and he's like yeah man yeah project phil and he didn't have like a million amazing things to say about touring with pantera you know mm-hmm. morbid angel and you know he got to go on stage and play walk, you know, dime bag, basically just like threw it on him last minute. Like, Hey man, you want to play walk tonight? 
Give a shot of whiskey first. All right, now I'll show you the wrist real quick. You know, it just kind of like went like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I asked him if he wanted to do the, the solo, and he's like, "Fuck yeah!" You know. And he actually gave me because I was going down to. Uh, this was already planned. Like me and my my girlfriend had this trip planned to like go to New Orleans and hang out. It was Phil's fiftieth uh, birthday party, so it was like the party to end all parties. You know, and knew that we were going down there, and uh, Eric was like, "Dude." I'd love to go, but, you know, I got shit coming up, but let me think of something to give him, you know, and he gave me this old, uh, it was a morbid angel, um, windbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> and this thing was badass. I was like, should I get a film? <laughs> yeah. So this get lost. <laughs> yeah. And he like had a card for him and everything. And I can't, like, yeah, if you don't mind handing this off to Phil, I was like, yeah, of course not. You know? So, yeah, we went down there, and then that's when I basically recorded the drums for the Black EP. That was back in 2018. So it's just crazy to think where the world's at now. You know, little did we know. Yeah. So, so this, so this has been uh, not sat on for a while, but it's been in progress for a while, I guess. But the whole thing, from what I understand, it was meant to be a trilogy of EPs, right? Yes, exactly. Why is that? Why not just be an L? Why not just be one, one full length? Well, part of it is. Um, it, Phil, Phil even said it himself with uh, Down put out that, I think the last thing that they put out was the, uh, I think it was called the Purple EP, actually. Is that the last one? I think that was, they were going to do a series of EPs as well, all kind of like in a different vein of sorts. But um, he was just saying like the attention span of people, you know, these days with music is very true, <laughs> very touch and go, yeah. you know, especially, you know, your Spotify or whatever, you just like go to the one song and. You're listening to Mott the Hoople one second, and then you're listening to Slayer, and then you're listening to REO Speedwagon. <laughs> That's a Michael few songs. Field, yeah. Cannibal Corpse, <laughs> Scout. No, I was joking. I could go on. But um, so basically, that was kind of Derek's idea as well as to have the um, six tracks on the each EP, the trilogy would be the 666. Oh. You, know, you see, see what he did. There. Yeah, I get it. So. Now the natural thing to do is a full length album. So it's like, and it, I, I think it's like finally, like I was saying before, people caught on with the Black EP. So it's like it worked. You know, we got everybody's attention now with the last EP, and now everybody's asking where the full length is, and then that's going to drop, and then you know, see what happens from there, kind of thing. Um, yeah, and so it, already like you know, Derek has you know, some material in the works for that. So hopefully that'll come out within the next couple of years, or we shall see. Well, you, you've you've got a lot of experience in uh, working with um, other experienced musicians, right? Like, and and the way you the way that things are working with Scour is a great example of that, where nothing really seems too rushed here, and it all seems kind of uh, it, every 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 step seems in te- intentional. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, or or just keep going with the perception. But it, uh, I don't know. It's you. It's it doesn't. It doesn't feel like young guys just figuring it out as they go. It kind of feels like this is the way it's supposed to be, and and it's working. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you know, because Phil has a studio at his house, so it's like right. you know, obviously it's awesome to record there, and he's got his engineer Steve Steve Berrigan, and call him Big Fella, super awesome dude. Um, so it's just like you know, use that to our advantage, basically. You know, you don't. It costs a lot of money to go to a studio, you know, and record shit. So Phil has this studio for that reason. And um, so with 
with that being said, you know, it's just like the drums were recorded because it was just like, we're going to be there. Let's do it. And I was like, all right, sure. Even though I only heard some of the songs like a handful of times, it was just like, let it rip, you know? So once that's done, you know, then they do the guitar tracks over time. And then Phil didn't do, I don't, Phil didn't do his vocals until this year. I know that. So it's like the drums were done in 2018 in the summer. And then, you know, obviously <clears throat> Phil's a pretty busy dude as well. They did all the, you know, they did the Slayer tour, of course. And, you know, they're doing the whole Phil and the Illegals doing the Pantera set. Yeah. And, and you know, it's just been very, very crazy, like, schedules for everybody, you know. Until um, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was finally, like, this year where, you know, obviously everything settled in with, like, not playing any shows this year. And Phil finally had the time to do the vocals. And, yeah, it's never what we expect either, man. It's like, you know, you hear the music so many times, you know, when you're listening back to, you know, whatever mixes and you know what have you of each song you probably listen to it hundreds of times and all of a sudden there's these vocals and you're just like holy shit <laughs> i wasn't expecting that it's like you said before like you don't really expect phil and someone to sound like that and you know you could play that for i'd, I'd say i guarantee you could play that for five of your friends right now and not tell them what it was and yeah they probably would never even guess that no i was that's that's exactly was, what i was gonna say you could you could you could have somebody who's maybe you know the, the casual pantera fan will have no idea um the, and if they if they if that's how they find it they're gonna be like what the fuck what what the hell is this this is you know maybe maybe in a bad way maybe in a good way whatever this is gonna be a, it's it's gonna be a, a surprise it's not like like if you go from pantera to down you're like okay i i, I hear it you know but but from Pantera to to Scour, no, you could get lost. Yeah, exactly. And it's not going to be for everybody. And you know, it's I totally get that. And you know, Phil's already done. You know, he's he's, he's done it all, man. Right. You know, Pantera was on top of the world. You know, when Far Beyond Driven came out, it was like fucking game over, man. Like <laughs> there wasn't a heavier band that was in the Billboard charts. You know, and I don't think there ever will be a band that's going to be as heavy as Pantera. That you know. I don't think there's ever going to be a rock and roll band in the charts anymore. I don't. I think that's. I think that's yeah. over. I got. I mean, are there charts? I don't know how this works anymore. But but it was talking. To, that was back when, like you know, people were still buying music all the time. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, um, going off like what you, what you mentioned there about how it's not going to be for everybody. Um, being that it is mostly, I don't know. Maybe I'm taking a little bit of a liberty here by saying, but maybe mostly a black metal record. Um, does how does that go over with the always fickle and always intelligent, true quote unquote black metal crowd. Do they accept scour or is this, is this blasphemy, which would be good, I guess, but not good because it's yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's definitely the elite. Yes. Um, the elite, the, the nerdiest yeah. nerds. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're always going to catch shit from somebody, you know? Um, but I, I will tell you that we've gotten our blessings from dark funeral members um there's there's definitely a lot of people that are you know in the scene that you know whatever successful black metal bands that like they love scour yeah and you know there's always going to be the asshole you know that lives in a log cabin and you know <laughs> around the arctic circle that sees sun like five days a year and like you know True cult, I think. Is that what they call him? It's not going to be true, true enough for him. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
I had to sneak the V in there, but just try not to really pay attention to that stuff and just pay pay attention to the positive, you know. And of course, if you like it, you like it, and I totally get it if you don't. And you know, I guess it's just like you said, it's not going to be what you expect, you know, if you're just going into it blind, hearing that it's a Phil and Selma side project, and that's what makes it unique and stand on its kind of own two legs, you know. No, yeah, it's totally it, that, that you would just expect, and then you just be like, "Oh, yeah, of course, this sounds like something Phil would do," you know. But it's like that's what kind of makes it more unique in a way to just have it like, "Oh, wow, holy <laughs> shit, I was not expecting this at all," you know. Well, it's true, I, I, but it goes that goes for like uh, I don't know, not, not not all you guys necessarily because your capabilities are pretty evident with the other things you've done. But um, I don't know, we, we, there, you you play in. Um, all these extreme metal bands, right? Pig Destroyer, Lockup, Misery Index, Asthma Castle, Scour, all of them are a little bit different, but what specific challenges does Scour present for someone like you who's as proficient as you are at what you do? I think just the sheer relentlessness of the songs um, blast that go for literally like a minute straight and, you know, it's it's uh, back-to-back playing this stuff live is really intense and you really gotta you know not that i have to like lay back and you know whatever but there's definitely a different approach that i gotta take you know to i guess you could say survive a set (laughs) (laughs) right because you know once you you know being a drummer you know you gotta you gotta really you know utilize your um technique and finesse and stamina in a way that, you know, you just got to really be conscious of that kind of stuff. You know, obviously can't be like drinking your face off the night before and go up on stage and like rip a blast at 250 BPM, you know, and yeah, it's, it's definitely (laughs) got to treat yourself almost like a athlete of sorts. And, you know, I've been playing a lot as of late, getting back into it more and just, you know, it's definitely very physically taxing. Doesn't get any easier the longer you take a break. <laughs> you know, I, I, that reminds me of a conversation that uh, Dom and I were having over the summer, where we were talking about. He was talking about their. Uh, well, we were talking about something we shouldn't talk about on here, but we were talking about how he uh, how he practiced this this uh, this solo for a Motorhead cover that Integrity just put out, and how he practiced it. He sat there with the guitar constantly. You know, all day and night. You know, not all day and night. I'm exaggerating a bit here, but you know, he he just practiced this fucking thing over and over and over and over, and then he recorded it, and then he stopped playing it for like a week, and now he can't play it anymore. And and, and like just just how you, keeping up with uh, with your skills, how how quickly things deteriorate. And I don't think a lot of people, a lot of listeners, uh, maybe maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but a lot of listeners of 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 extreme music understand like the the amount of the amount, the amount of dedication that it really does take to to make these insane, crazy songs. Yeah, man. I mean, I literally, you know, I work a regular day job, and you know, I can on the different jobs, I can walk up to twelve thousand steps in a single day, and you know, go up like a hundred and sixty-seven flights of stairs, and go home, you know, change clothes real quick go to the practice space and play drums for two hours, come home, take a shower, make dinner, drink a glass of wine and like fall on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it's, it's, you gotta stay active. You gotta, you gotta, you know, perfect your art, I guess, you know, anything that you do, you know, that 
you know, I guess you get to, uh, um, could I say elite status of playing or, you know, with whatever, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of practice and a lot of time to get there, but to stay in that shape, just like being a boxer or something like MMA fighter, like you can't be like, okay, well, I'm going to go eat double cheeseburgers for two weeks straight. Right, right. I'm going to go step in the ring. You know, it's like, no, those dudes like train and it's like insane. Like if you look at like what Mike Tyson used to do in a day is like what most people will do in their lifetime as far as exercising goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. To- like, not, not really exaggerating, <laughs> like literally at all. Like it's insane. So it, you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, the behind the scenes of that stuff, like you just said, I don't know if fans really do realize, like, sometimes, like, it's like, yeah, you gotta live your everyday life, too, and, you know, do this and that, and, but it's like, especially playing drums, you gotta really stay on top of your game, and, you know, try to be conscious of just everything from just eating healthy to, you know, whatever, you know, take your vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, for you, at what, at what point did you realize that, that you wanted to be or were going to be this good of a drummer like was there was there a turning point for you where it became more than a hobby um i think that hit me at a pretty young age um even when i was in my teens like in my first band you know all will fall back in uh st louis area i remember like sitting down and like we got to the point where we you know had our demo out and all that shit <laughs> and just kind of like was a little bit more serious about it than other guys in the band and i could tell and they ended up, you know, we had like the sit down and like, yo, like I want to like try and do this. Like, I think we're, you know, we've got something here. Like we can try and, you know, get out there, go on tour and just do the damn thing. And two of the guys were like, nah, that's like not for me. <laughs> and I, I, I get it, man. It's like, it's a, some people like think that they want to do it, but you know, going on tour is a totally different thing than what people, you know, perceive and, you know, see on, you know, motley crew behind the music it's definitely not sure. like that for you know a death metal band <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i guess when i joined misery index that was like basically the i'm in it like i'm going for it kind of thing you know i was like 20 years old at that point and just stuck with it and you know is that how you ended up in say. baltimore yeah exactly yeah i um joined misery index in 2004 and then basically moved out here i think a few years after that and been here ever since so is there something that uh something or anything maybe about the baltimore i don't know scene community that makes you that 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 sticks out to you that makes it special oh absolutely man i mean just the art scene and music scene in baltimore is very i mean it's a very unique city you know you have the you know the awesome tiny punk venues, you know, like art gallery kind of venues. Then you have, of course, like places like the auto bar and, uh, the old sonar club and, you know, every venue kind of has its own unique thing. And, you know, the very dedicated music fans here, very diverse music scene here too, of course. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot more going on than say like St. Louis, which is where I would always go to shows. Yeah, you know when I came out to when I came out to Maryland, I was just like blown away by like you know I guess that you know the camaraderie of the metalheads and punks and everything. It's just like a like a straight up. It's a music scene. It's not you know you don't want to be divided and all that stupid drama bullshit. You know that's what I really like about Baltimore. I can say you know. 
Yeah, I, I will 100% agree. Um, it sounds like you and I started going, started, ended up in Baltimore around the same time. I think I, I think I might have first went 2001, 2002 to the Auto Bar for like a Converge show. You know, it was like Converge and I, and I forget who else, Darkest Hour or something. That was probably the, the small, like the old. No, no, no. It was, it was the the current one. So I think maybe 2002. Okay. Um, so, okay. But uh, but yeah, but the, then I just found myself there all the time, and that's why I moved there because I was just driving to Baltimore all the time, and you know, and it's it's what you're talking about. Things like the sidebar will forever be my favorite venue, you know, no matter what. Yeah, sidebar um, rules. <laughs> but yeah. it, but you know, you you go to the sidebar and get get your beers from the you know little punk Matty Pants. You go over to Chuck Collins at the at the Auto Bar and you know drink with him. You know, it's just it, like yeah. you, you want to go over to 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 the uh, to the art space and hang out there and uh, go <laughs> go in between bands, go get trashed at the gay bar. You know, like the and there was different vibes in different places, and but it was all the same people. Like you're saying, it was there's a weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they have that in other cities because I never spent enough as much time as I did in Baltimore. But the but the way that things, not everybody, you know intermingled but a lot of people did and that's what one thing that i found really cool about baltimore yeah man definitely miss it you know it's just like you know normally it'd be like oh you know you work during the week and it's like oh i could go to this show tonight but now i'm going to that show next week but now it's like i would go to that show tonight (laughs) right now yeah i will walk in this snowstorm that's happening you know uphill five (laughs) feet of snow and uphill back home too yeah, <laughs> where do you live? <laughs> it's a really, t- um, but all right, dude. Hey, Adam, I don't, I don't know what, what else we could say. Oh, all right, no, I know one last thing I want to, want to ask you, and it's just because I, myself, and I don't know if you're familiar with him or know him, um, Joshi from Ilsa. Uh, I had him on just last night. We were just talking, and we got in this conversation about uh, um, if you were playing and the crowd started throwing pies at you in disgust like you know you know how that th- that's supposed to happen in some weird yeah. weird space right so uh if it were up to you what what kind of pies would they be Ooh, i'd have to go with like lemon meringue maybe like a key lime pie that's that that is like the that is that would be my worst answer that would i would not go that direction <laughs> <laughs> What do you think it like more of a savory? Um, no, I'm thinking I would I would prefer like a pumpkin pie, but but then I know some asshole would sneak in one of those yam pies and that would, you know, like an imposter pie and and that <laughs> that could be a problem. So maybe yours is safer. Melted marsh like marshmallows on top, it's all sticky and Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not what I would want. Goes in your ear. No, that's that's a disaster. Maybe one of those uh, dangerously delicious pies that they have here in Baltimore and oh, yes. the area. Yeah, yeah, the very, the very scene friendly pies. Be, that'd be pretty sweet. Now, you know, like, all <laughs> oh. of a you got like a pork roast pie that just hit you <laughs> in the side of the head. I, you know, I think I changed my answer. I would prefer like a chicken pot pie. That's the kind of pie that I would like. Maybe let it sit for a little bit. You don't want a piping hot, fresh out of the oven. That's true. And then I don't want a cold. I don't know. You, you pizza pie. How about no? I don't want a cold pizza. I don't want a hot pizza. Either. All right, you complicated this. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. Well, hey, uh, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation. The 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 Scour record's great. I listened to it several times. I, I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. Uh, um, I think you're right about this. The, the way that this one is going to catch on with people. I hope so. It should. I mean, I don't see why not. But uh, but yeah, it's it's great. Um, 
you're well respected for what you do for a reason. You're you're great at it, and this is another example of that. And uh, and and again, thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a pleasure. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for talking. Cool. Have right. you going, bud? Me too. Later. All right. See you. Cheers. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Adam, and that song you just heard was Propaganda, also off of the Black EP from Scour. Get out there now and find that record. Find all the records. What was there? Black, gray, red? I don't know. A couple of dark colors, all right? It's a trilogy. Did you pick that up? I think we talked about that. Anyway, that's going to be it for this week's episode. Please go wherever you uh, listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, whatever. Give a five-star rating and uh, a wonderfully worded yet beautiful and uh, sarcastic review. Much appreciated. Nobody nobody ever does that, and that's okay because I don't do it for other podcasts too, so I, I, I get it. But uh, if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, thank you for listening as always. Um, go to the Patreon Patreon.com slash getting it out podcast. Join if you dare, if you'd like. That'd also be appreciated. What else can I ask you to do for me in 2021? Um, just how about just tell people you listen to the podcast, share it on social media. Go to at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast on Instagram and uh, follow along, repost, do all those wonderful things that I'll gladly do for you for uh, pennies. You can pay me pennies. How about that? Sounds like a good deal. Okay. Well, whether you help me out or not, I wish you all a successful, lucrative, and fun 2021. It's got to be better than 2020, right? I know everybody's saying that, but it's got to be, okay? 
As I said in the beginning of the episode, I'm going to end this with with another listener-submitted track. This one is from the band Requiem for Oblivion. It's called Lies in Fire. It's off their new EP, Hindsight 2020, to be released January 29th. And it's technical, and it's kind of death metal-y, and it's all sorts of things, extreme, and that's why I like it. So here, listen to Requiem for Oblivion, and thank you for listening to Getting It Out Podcast. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.